Welcome, Bird Gang, and welcome to the first official Football Friday. On today's show, we tell you what needs to happen for the Cardinals to open 2021 1-0. That's right, a road win at Tennessee is possible if the team just does what Mike Jarecki lays out. Real simple. But first, yes, it is the first Football Friday of the season, but we can't say it's a Fitz Friday. Odd. Very odd. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 464, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins... Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. No bad news to start the show, MJ. I'm just stating what is true. Larry Fitzgerald will not be in uniform on Sunday in Tennessee. First time since 2003, number 11 in a Cardinals uniform will not be in a regular season game. It's okay now. It is finally real. We've talked about it. Didn't show up to training camp, wasn't in any preseason games, wasn't on the practice field during game week. But now, MJ, it's kind of get a hit reality. Larry Fitzgerald is not an Arizona Cardinal. Well, according to DJ Humphreys, he still thinks that door is open. Yeah, Whether is. it's week five, or week eight, um, I guess we'll find out. But uh, so, so we can no longer say it's a Fitz Friday. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. The adage on Fridays, you know, football Friday, Fitz Friday had a nice ring to it. Football Friday, yes. But Fitz Friday, just, I, I know he is going to be watching. He's going to be rooting on his teammates and his team. But the fact that he will not just not be in attendance, just not on a football field, that's. You know, it didn't really hit me during the off season. It didn't really hit me during training camp. It was odd. You know, you got fans at State Farm Stadium and the Larry Chance not a part of the atmosphere. But now I think it is going to hit a lot of fans and the reality is starting to set in. Even though he won't say it, Larry Fitzgerald, folks, is retired. I'll say it. He hasn't said the, the R word yet, but for me... He's retired. Well, he still hasn't reti- uh, He hasn't put his retirement papers in yet. Correct. So you get that five year, you know, where you want to get the uh, you get to the five years. So he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'll say he's still deciding. Okay. All right. Well, you're all right. See, let's talk you're, about. You're just like DJ Humphreys. Quote: I'm not believing it until the season's over. That was Humphreys on Friday. What did AJ Green say? Yeah, he's not believing it either. So yeah, and he's golfed with them a few times. All <laughs> yeah. right, let's talk about the team that's going to play on Sunday. All right, and before we get into as we discussed on Thursday's Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, we have Mike Jarecki's three keys to a victory. We give MJ homework assignment on Thursday night, but there is a quick injury notes. Not sure how much it is a main factor in this, but Dennis Gardeck ruled out and it's not because of the knee injury we watched him in practice on Wednesday during the open portion and he looked very good but something happened according to Kingsbury during Thursday's practice hurt his hand at some point so he went from full participant on Wednesday to limited on Thursday to Friday we didn't even see Gardeck during the open portion of practice and he will not play 
and the news may be even worse because, according to Kingsbury, it might be a couple of weeks before we see Gardeck back on the football field. But he also followed up, this could be a blessing in disguise. True. We know that he wants to play. We know that they put him on, you know, took him off uh, PUP, so he could possibly play maybe in the first month of the season, maybe by week, I guess, four against the Rams. So, again, uh, you got to make sure you take care of your body. And, you know, clearly I didn't think he was going to play the first couple of weeks. That's just connecting dots. Uh, they, they didn't start the season on PUP, so he wouldn't have been able to return. And now, you know, how much is it going to affect special teams? Obviously, Jeff Rogers has a lot of intel. The guys he wants, um, you know, part of the back end of the roster, who's going to be active. So um, I do think it's a blessing in disguise just to kind of, you know, pull him back a little bit to make sure he's healthy. Because last thing you want to do, and we don't know the severity, but obviously he's going to be out a couple weeks. You don't want to come back and then you're out three more weeks because they're going to need him at some point just based on injuries on the roster. Yeah, it could be the best thing that happens to Gardeck with respect to that knee injury. Not the hand, but the knee to yes. kind of pull him back a little bit because, you know, week one, everyone's excited. And you don't want them to be too amped up to where you go too fast too strong and then all of a sudden you're full speed and as you say you suffer a setback so it does factor in as far as maybe not so much at outside linebacker you still got Chandler Jones Marcus Golden Devon Kennard maybe even a little of Isaiah Simmons who we've seen rush the passer but the special teams aspects and we brought it up earlier in the week Kylie Fitz one of the three players on the practice squad that the Cardinals have protected he could be one of those players that gets elevated to the active roster and then all of a sudden you have a little bit more depth special teams-wise, and a player that is familiar with what Jeff Rogers wants to do. And Kylie Fitz, we know he's a great coverage guy and one of those players that is trusted by the special teams. Yeah, and I think the Cardinals, you know, anytime you release a veteran guy that's a really good special teams player and he adds depth, I always say he can kind of set the edge, and that was kind of Kennard even, you know, Kennard obviously is a lot higher on the depth chart, but you know, he did clear waivers. They were able to put him on the practice squad. But I do think he'd be a viable option uh, just from a standpoint. You don't have Gardeck. Gardeck obviously can play linebacker. He can play on teams. So it wouldn't be a surprise if we hear something uh, tomorrow to where they bring a couple guys off the practice squad. And a lot of it's going to be based on who's available and how they practice during the week. Yes, the kickoff on Sunday, 10 a.m. Arizona time, 5.30. The pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network week one against the Tennessee Titans at Nissan Stadium. It is going to be a great test, a measuring stick, if you will, in the words of head coach Cliff Kingsbury. So I put it to you, a uh, Mike Jarecki, what the Cardinals need to do in order to not pull off the upset because I know there are a lot of people that don't believe the Cardinals will win this game, and that's fine. But to come out and not surprise people, I think last year they went into San Francisco, come away with a win. Can this team go into Tennessee and come away with a victory? What needs to happen as we look at your three keys to victory? All right, number one would be you must eliminate the chunk plays, the splash plays. In other words, don't let an eight-yard pass or run become a 20 or 25-yard gain. Don't allow the wide receivers to get behind the secondary. Keep everything in front of you. So splash plays... And again, you know, between AJ Brown and Julio Jones, and then you got to worry about Derrick Henry when he gets that second layer. Uh, they're going to have to tackle well in the open field. It's going to have to gang tackle. You can't do it by yourself. So if they can eliminate that, keep everything in front of them, 
then they won't give up those chunk plays because I got to think, you know, based on how much time Tannehill missed and obviously Julio and A.J. Brown, they probably want to jumpstart that offense with some splash plays versus trying to go on a 10, 12 play drive. You got to pick up two or three first downs and then, you know, we'll see if this is the year that they back off with uh, Derrick Henry because his first couple years in the league, he was the backup behind DeMarco Murray. So people look at how many touches he's got. I think eventually they're going to have to Taylor back based on their weapons. couple things when we talk about Derrick Henry and a lot of talk this week about Derrick Henry. This will be the second time that the Cardinals play Derrick Henry. You go back to December 10th, 2017, before Derrick Henry became Derrick Henry, I think, and that was a game and errors. I know the Cardinals won a low-scoring affair, but Derrick Henry in that contest, eight carries for 20 yards. Buda Baker referenced that game earlier this week as a rookie, Buda Baker then. So there is a way, perhaps, and then maybe all you have to do is look at the postseason a year ago, what the Ravens were able to do and limit Derrick Henry. 18 carries for 40 yards. Do the math. 2.2 yards per touch for Derrick Henry, and that's why the Ravens were able to go into Tennessee and win in the wild card game. So it doesn't happen a lot, but it is possible to kind of limits, if you will, the effectiveness, the explosiveness of a Derrick Henry. Well, the Ravens, I mean, clearly they've been hit with the injury bug. You know, four guys are on IR, you know, a couple running backs, Marcus Peters, but they also brought in Calais Campbell for that reason. They were hoping they can obviously get to the, play the Chiefs. So I do think their defense, you know, their defense, the secondary was much better. So you, you load up on the run, and they didn't have Julio last year. They did have a really good tight end in Smith, and then you had A.J. Brown. So I, I, I look at this Tennessee team. I don't know if they're as good as they were a year ago. They, there's questions just like the Cardinals in the secondary. You know How much are they going to get out of Bud Dupree, uh, Harold Landry? I know that Jeffrey Simmons is one of the better players. He's, he's, he's uh, you know I put him in the Fletcher Cox, uh, Jarrett Reed, uh, Geno Atkins category. So and I'm comfortable there because I you know you got Rodney Hudson and then you got Josh Jones and, and and Justin Pugh so I'm comfortable there but it it's just I know on paper people think that you know they can just hit the reset button they're going to get back to the postseason now in that division it's a two team race between them and the Colts that's it everyone else you know the Texans and the Jaguars I mean they play each other so somebody's got to win that game so they don't need to win 12 or 13 games, but I think we're catching them at a good time just based on the COVID situation with the head coach and the quarterback, those guys not playing in the preseason, which I thought was the right decision. So if you played them in week three or four, I think it would be a different matchup. Can I give you one more Derrick Henry stat to kind of put a bow on your first key as far as eliminating the explosive plays, the splash plays? 2020, Derrick Henry, 48 runs of 10 or more yards. Almost 13% of his total carries went for better than a first down. That is the definition of an explosive play. And as we talked earlier this week on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, you need to hit Derrick Henry in the backfield if you can, if nothing else, at the line of scrimmage or within a yard or two of the line of scrimmage so he doesn't get that head of steam and get into the secondary something Isaiah Simmons touched on that hey we have to keep Henry out of the secondary though 
the cornerbacks and the safeties are going to have to come up to help tackle as well. But that would go a long way for the Cardinals getting that win against the Titans. Yeah, and and you know Kyle Vandenbosch was was on top of it. Um, he thought that the the corners tackled well in the preseason when they're given the time. We know how physical Alford can be. He's in great shape. Hopefully, you know, haven't been on COVID, but he sounds like he was able to work out in a place where nobody was there doing his conditioning. He was able to be involved in all the Zoom meetings. We know Murphy's one of the physical corners on the roster. And then you look at Marco Wilson, uh, a little bit more finesse, very athletic, um, not afraid to stick his uh, face in the fan in, in, in training camp in the preseason. He got his hands on a lot of football. I think that's because of his athleticism. He can cover toe-to-toe, and then he gets his hands there. So, um, again, the stiff arms are what you got to be concerned with. Yeah, something that's, again, easier said than done. All right, the first key explosive plays eliminate the – or. Limit the number of splash plays, if you if you will. What is uh, Mike Jarecki's second key for a Cardinals win against the Titans? Well, how will the rookies hold up under the bright lights, starting with Zabin Collins, Rondell Moore, and Marco Wilson? I think Rondell Moore, the position, you know, we've seen the upside. Uh, whether he k- returns kicks and punts, that's going to get his feet wet, just getting comfortable. Um, but clearly he's he's one of the top three receivers in camp. At least he's shown that. I think they're confident. There's trust there. Kingsbury, you know, he, I think he wanted Andy, Andy Isabella to be that guy, but they got a different role for him. So um, it's more on – this is more on Collins and Wilson. Collins, again, the eyes. And there's going to be times where he's going to have Jordan Hicks next to him, and that's going to help out. Of course, you got J.J. Watt, you got Buda Baker and Chandler. So – you know, not that he needs help. He's making all the calls. Uh, he's vocal. He's physical. But you can't over pursue. And so you, it's, he's going to have the butterflies just, just like anyone else. Once the game settles down, uh, we'll see his attributes. Very physical player. So I, I'm, I want to see how they play. And we should judge him more when we get to the halfway point. But again, they are starters, and they're going to get multiple uh, opportunities. Uh, I think there's times where we're going to see Hicks and and. And possibly Isaiah, maybe Collins won't play every single snap. But I, I want to see how the rookies perform because they're counting on these guys. You don't draft a guy at 16 and, and declare that night that he's your starter. We know how I feel about Isaiah Sims given an entire offseason, given him preseason. I like his upside, and, and I like the defense. And, and I just think you know um, it's going to be a lot different for these guys. Nothing to Purdue. Uh, they had big crowds there, so I don't think that's going to be a factor. I think Rondell Moore, the transition is going to be a little bit, I wouldn't say easier, but smoother. Smoother, that's a great word, smoother than the other two guys. Now, with Collins, I think it is the one question that everyone across the board, maybe even here inside the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center, as far as how he is going to be, not just in week one, but this entire first month, not just being the quarterback of the defense, but to your point about his eyes, does he over-pursue? Is he able to kind of slow things down mentally, not physically, but not overthink it at the same time? As Vance Joseph mentioned on Thursday, the more they play, talking about Collins and Isaiah Simmons, the more they see more NFL concepts, the better they'll play. These two young players are going to get better. We should see progress from week one to week two progress each and every week there are going to be growing pains there are going to be mistakes there are going to be some blown assignments but just make sure you limit those and as we discussed on Thursday just make sure that those blown assignments don't result in 30 yard plays or touchdown plays and I like your thinking as far as putting all those three rookies but can I add two other players to that to that list just because 
not technically rookies, but based off of snap count, might still be considered rookies. Isaiah Simmons being one of them. And then Josh Jones, just because he is going to be, in his second season, a young right guard starting. Now he's got experience at the center position and to his right with Kelvin Beecham at the tackle spot. And from all accounts, Humphrey's earlier on Friday. So they have got all the confidence in the world in Josh Jones being able to be that right guard. So I do think that if you want to talk about young players, it's not just those three rookies, David Collins, Rondell Moore, Marco Wilson. Talk about Isaiah Simmons and Josh Jones as well. Yeah, good point. And, you know, uh, I'm paraphrased. Hump said today on Friday that he didn't bat an eye when he made the switch. I mean, he's a guy that had 40 starts at left tackle at Houston, and then he was working at right tackle, and then they move him inside. And I think you can hide him a little bit as he's learning the position. Again, we'll have to wait and see, you know, who's active on game day. we got to think uh, Josh Murray's your swing tackle. you got to think uh, when you look at Max Garcia and his winners up, Who's that 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 other guy? So it'd be interesting, but um, I like the fact that he accepted the role, and that's one way to hit, get him back on uh, get him on the field. And I know the Cardinals had him ranked 30 on their board; they got him at 62. So this is part of what they're looking at the future, whether he's a guard or a right tackle. Yeah, certainly something to pay attention but to. I but I agree with you. Yeah, when it comes to those two other guys, Jones and Simmons. You want to say that again? I agree with you. Say it one more time, just because it sounds so good in in my head. I agree with you. Right, I was go. just looking at the rookies, but <laughs> no, I think I, I think it's fair when you talk about you know a guy that didn't have a preseason last year, and then another guy that you know was just kind of like okay, he played sixty one snaps as an extra blocker. Now he's going to play sixty one snaps, if not more, in a game. And as we've touched on, and you've been a big proponent of, as far as when you look at that offensive line, Sean Kugler looks at five players who can play. Not, yes, and it is specific to their position, but he doesn't care how much money you make, what your draft. Uh, how you got here. It doesn't, that doesn't matter. Who, is, who are the best five guys in that room? So we have to think, even though maybe on paper and based off experience, you would put Brian Winters and Justin Murray ahead of a Josh Jones. He has earned that uh, week one start at right guard. So we'll keep an eye on it, as we will with everyone. But Josh Jones, look at that right side. And I do think it's going to do uh, great for him to have a Rodney Hudson and a Kelvin Beecham to his left and to his right, respectively. Couldn't agree more. And, again, to me, he's got a big upside. And and the good news is he's under contract for the next few years. So you can basically pencil him in either at right guard. You know, Beecham's on a one-year deal. I think it's a one-year deal just – Based on how he's feeling, he's got a lot of off-the-field stuff that he's involved in, but right now he's committed to playing uh, this upcoming season. So that would be just in, in looking at those young players and then obviously the rookies, how they're going to hold up with their first NFL game. All right, so two keys, one left for the Cardinals to win, beat the Titans on the road in Tennessee. Well, I think I've said this a lot, and I think you would agree with me. This is really the first time under Kingsbury they can roll four or five wide receivers out. Does that mean Isabella is going to be your fifth? I don't know that. We'll have to wait and see. Did they dress five on game day? I would assume just because of possible injury. Um, but I think Cliff's going to roll out some 10 personnel. And, again, you don't want to go three and out. They, they like to go with the up-tempo. Uh, it forces the opponent where they can't really substitute, so they like matchups. Um, and again, that are not snapping the ball at 28 seconds. They usually get down to 14 or 15 pre-snap read, uh, and then obviously as the play develops. So 
Um, for the first time in three years, I, th- I really think they can go four and five wide, and we look at both teams, and if there's question marks, it's at the secondary for both teams. So I would try to uh, you know, create those matchups because you can't double hop if you got A.J. Green, you got Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, and Kirk's playing his natural position, which is the H position. Really, he can flex between the, the offensive line to the tackle box. So I, I think that this is a strength of our offense. Now, I'm still a big fan of 11 and 12 personnel, but there's no reason why you can't sprinkle it out based on what they did in camp but during the open portions of practice. A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, and any combination, but those are your four wide receivers, your top four wide receivers, and we know what Hop was able to do last season in year one, so that chemistry with Kyler Murray should only improve in year two, and then you add an A.J. Green, a Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk under a contract year. He's certainly motivated. He has flashed, but can he be that consistent pass catcher who doesn't disappear at times during the course of a season? I like four wide receivers if it's possible, but you can't have any false start penalties. You can't have any incompletions. You can't have any negative plays. This offense can be up-tempo as long as they're moving the sticks and they are continuing to go forward. Once they go backwards, then all of a sudden it slows down and you allow the defense to catch up. Yeah, and, and the, the idea is, you know, when you go four and five wide, you have to protect the edges. And now normally Murray's going to be in the gun. Uh, they could run out of that. You could have Chase Edmonds or J- James Conner in the backfield and go four wide, one back, no tight ends, spread them out. Um, but I agree with you. Um, but I, I, I think they're going to show that just based on who they're playing. Now, the next week, um, we'll get into it next week, the Vikings are probably going to play zone. So I don't know. You're going to have to pick your spots. You're going to have to be accurate there. But the way Kyler was able to throw the ball in training camp, tight windows, looks like his arm strength was stronger than a year ago. Everyone said it was his best camp. And and, and I think just talent-wise, and we've seen it, so we could say also it's on paper, probably the best talent they've had since the 2015 season. This is when you'll see the true Arizona offense. Those were the words of Buda Baker this week because we have not seen the true Arizona offense. We saw three three and outs for a total of minus one yard. But what Buda Baker has seen in practice is what a lot of us have seen in training camp when fans were in attendance. That football was flying around, and that offense was moving up and down the field. And then you look at the matchup, the Titans, a year ago. And yes, it was a year ago. Things changed. There's no carryover from one year to the next, you hope. But this Titans defense ranked 29th against the pass. They almost had a complete makeover of their secondary, as we discussed earlier this week. And they drafted two young corners, Caleb Farley in the first round, Elijah Molden in the third round. But you look at their unofficial depth chart, and those two young rookies are listed as third string. So they're either not ready yet, or they've got guys ahead of them that are just better than they are right now. So I do think that secondary is something that the Cardinals and that passing game should be able to exploit. Well, they you know they had Clowney there last year, and that's why they went out and got Bud Dupree. Um, you know, he obviously is coming off an injury, but according to people that watch practice, you wouldn't know he's coming off a torn ACL. And you know they they were they only had 19 sacks, so they, the secondary was definitely targeted, and that's why Malcolm Butler had a hundred tackles and four interceptions. But they couldn't get pressure on the quarterback, so 
Um, that's why I'm thinking you can spread these guys out and take some shots down the field. You look at the starting corners based off the depth chart, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, Janoris Jenkins, for those who might not know or understand the nickname Jack Rabbit, and then Christian Fulton. Those are the top two corners for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, they're not household names. They're not top cornerbacks out there that you know you would pay a lot of money for, but they are capable and I do think the Titans certainly hope that they are the answer now we'll just have to wait and see you know the Saints uh, every year they are over the cap and I think a lot of it was when Drew Brees was there and they got you know Jameis Winston on a a small deal and and they paid Taysom Hill so they had him cut some good players but he he was up and down in New Orleans but I I talked to a former head coach he does a color radio analyst for the uh, Titans radio he said uh, Jenkins has been I'm talking about Dave McGinnis. Dave McGinnis, thank you. He says that Jack Rabbit's really taken a lot of leadership. They're make they're making the comparison very similar to Malcolm Butler last year. So he can't cover everyone. Does he get hopped? Does he get green? Um, do they try to uh, roll safeties over to, to take away what we thought would be the deep ball? So uh, again, not ideal for them. But the, again, Caleb Farrell, Farley. He was a guy that had a red flag about the injury. Not a surprise, but they didn't draft him for one year. And Molden, um, he's got all the attributes. It's just a matter of, again, getting these guys in week one is perfect. You play them in week five or six, it could be a little different. And this will be our first look at how defenses might look at trying to stop the Cardinals offensively as far as, all right, is it one-on-one against Hopkins and one-on-one against A.J. Green? Or is there a safety over the top shadowing one side of the field over the other? And if the Cardinals do go four wide, you're spreading out the middle of the field, which leaves perhaps a tight end, a Max Williams, to kind of creep through and all of a sudden find some open space down the middle of the seams so I'm curious if last year it was well they're just going to leave D-Hop alone just one-on-one we saw that first matchup against the 49ers what was it 14 catches 16 targets 16 targets yeah that that's not going to happen but when you have a number two a legit number two perhaps for the first time in several seasons Defensively, how do you how do you handle that? Because you know what AJ Green is capable of doing. Well, they're they're new. Uh, well, he was there last year, but him and Vrabel were making the calls. Shane Bowen now he's he's actually the DC. Um, he came out and said that it's possible they're going to put a spy on Kylo Murray. Now we've seen this in the past, and that means you're taking one defensive player out to make sure. And what a spy would do if he's in the pocket, he sits there, and if he rolls out, then you got him. But that means you're taking a de- another defensive player out where he's got one assignment. You know, you got 11 guys going in one direction, and then you got 10, and then he's got to worry about where Murray goes. That sounds good in theory. Um, I think it's different than that mush rush we were seeing from Belichick and Brian Flores last year, Miami and New England. So, you know, pick your poison there because I think Murray's well aware they could put a spy on him. Um, don't play hero ball. It's okay to punt in this league. Uh, live for another down. But uh, again, Obviously, turnovers, uh, pick sixes, special teams, uh, big plays, uh, you don't want that to come back to haunt you. If the Titans want to take away Kyler Murray's running ability, that's fine. You can't take away everything. You're not going to stop his running and his throwing at the same time. So allow Kyler Murray to be in that pocket, look at the defense, and find maybe some one-on-one matchups, either with DeAndre Hopkins or A.J. Green or someone on the inside, whether that's Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, or perhaps the tight end, Max Williams, splitting out. This certainly looks like, again, I'll say it, the Titans' defense last year ranked 29th against the pass. 
Those numbers don't mean anything here in 2021, but how much has that changed in one offseason's time? Free agency, the draft, training camp, preseason, that's a lot of ground to make up if you're the Titans. That's That would be the one thing that if you're the Cardinals, where you have the biggest mismatch, if you will, it's the Cardinals' passing game against the Titans' passing defense. Well, I can tell you this, and – you know, during the media sessions, um, our colleague Darren Urban has talked about. You know, you're going, you're facing a team that people are projecting to go to the Super Bowl. I could tell you they're going to be fired up. You're going to have the crowd there, and we know when the Cardinals' defense is on the field, it's not going to be that loud. So, um, but they feel like the expectations are high. I mean, again, they're not playing in the NFC West. It's a two-team race with them and the Colts. Maybe who stays the healthiest with the quarterback position, they they win the division. But they're they're expecting to get back to the postseason. On the Cardinals side, a lot of people thinking they're going to finish fourth in the NFC West. Could the NFC West have three playoff teams? You know who wins the division? You know the Seattle's was twelve and four last year. People are in love with Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. We know the Niners were decimated with injuries. So um, I look at it as you know the expectations inside this building are a lot higher than it is on the outside yeah cardinals last year 8 and 8 the titans last season 11 and 5 they won the afc south their first division title since i believe it was all the way back in 2008 so mike jarecki's three keys to a victory on sunday limit the explosive limit the splash plays how do the rookies respond zaven collins rondell moore marco wilson Want to throw in Isaiah Simmons and Josh Jones? Go ahead. And then the third key, four wide receivers. The perhaps biggest mismatch that the Cardinals own over the Titans on whether you go four wide out there against a Titans defense that a year ago was very, very suspect. All right, so I have uh, an X factor in the intangible. X factor to me is A.J. Green because we think he's going to line up on the right side. Um, last year, Hop lined up 82%. That's the most when they started uh, tallying that stat since 2014. As the season progressed, they moved him around a little bit. He was getting those bubble screens, running down the sidelines, breaking tackles. So I think they're going to try to move him around. But I, everything I've been told is A.J. Green, between a toe, ankle, and, and foot issues, he's fully healthy. Uh, he looked like he had a burst in training camp. So I think he's the X factor. You can put so much pressure on Kyler Murray. You could put pressure on DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I think we're all going to see the upside of Christian Kirk now playing his natural position in Rondell Moore. So to me, Green could be the X factor in this game based on is Janoris Jenkins covering DeHop or they got Fulton covering Green. And I like the matchups if, if whoever's on Green down the field. All right. In the 50-50 balls. You look at A.J. Green, six foot four. Janoris Jenkins is 5'10". And the other corner, Christian Fulton, is listed at 5'11". So that is an obvious advantage if whomever is matched up one-on-one with A.J. Green. And that goes back to your four wide receiver key as far as having someone on the opposite side of DeAndre Hopkins that's going to occupy some defensive attention and not just be out there and you're like, okay, you're aware of them, but you're still focused on number 10. No, no, A.J. Green's out there, and based off of everything that we've seen and heard, he has not lost a step. DeAndre Hopkins brought it up again this week. A.J. Green looks very, very good since coming back from whatever ailed him in training camp, and I do think I like that X factor because he might be an X factor aid all season long. I, I, I th- if this offense is going to roll, he will be the X factor moving forward. 
because you got the weapons, you got the running game, you got Kyler. I mean, we we really haven't talked about the tight ends. I'm, I'm intrigued with Demarius Harris. He can catch the ball. We know that Kyler and Max Williams have something going running down the seam. So, uh, again, I just think he's going to be the difference maker. You want a double hop? Perfect. Single coverage on, on A.J., single coverage on Kirk, single coverage on Harris possibly. So, uh, on paper, I do like those matchups. All right, so that is the X factor. But you've added something here in 2021, the intangible going into this week. Matt Prater. I, I, I think when you look at the additions in the offseason, you know, obviously two young, uh, new players, Hudson and Watt, got the captaincy. But I think when I look at the four additions between – you know, uh, Watt, Green, Hudson, and I put Matt Prater in there. To me, if this thing, if this is a shootout and it comes down to a kick, uh, I'm comfortable with Matt Prater making a clutch kick from 50 yards. Um, he's been really consistent. Um, he's, he's a confident guy, not cocky. He puts a lot of work into his craft, and so I've been thoroughly impressed with him. Yes, he's the kicker. You don't you don't want to relying on that. But we know that the Cardinals lost two or three games last year just based on special teams. And special teams in week one, they had a nice block punt there, which helped them. So I anticipate you know, he could play a role. He, can, he could be the X factor. But I, I just think the limited time he's going to be on the field, he can definitely help this team in clutch situations. Well, let's go back to the offseason when Matt Prater was signed. General Manager Steve Kahn, quote, a lot of games are lost by three points or less, and this guy has been as good as anybody in NFL history at kicking game-winning field goals, end quote. Prater has made all 22 game-winning field goal attempts with two minutes or less remaining in the fourth quarter or overtime. His 59 career makes from 50 or more yards the most of all time. And this team, a year ago, lost three games by three points. Lions, Dolphins, and Patriots. You win any one of those games with a capable kicker, and this team is in the postseason, and the narrative going into this year is a heck of a lot different than it is right now. All right, so I think it was a week ago, and the Cardinals were stretching, and Hop sees us out there all the time. You know, we really haven't been able to have a sit-down with them. Just Still because. haven't met the man, Yeah, just <laughs> formally. Be- well, and, and, and a lot of guys have met him during media day, and obviously I just want to say he's been a, a breath of fresh air, practicing all the time. Uh, I, at the end of the day, yes, he wants his targets, his touches, but he wants to win, and I feel that same way about A.J. Green. They're going to be in, you know, in the conversation for Hall of Fame and you know the best in, in their era. These guys want to win. So he's practicing all the time. Uh, like so, he asked me, "What do you think our record is?" And I said, "Double digits." And he gave me the thumbs up. Now I didn't want to go twelve and four, eleven and five, ten and seven, but he gave me the thumbs up because he he's figuring, "All right, you're out here all the time. Uh, you you do your podcast with Craig, and I want to know what you think." And he gave me the thumbs up. So I said double digits, and I don't know what that means. I know it means more than nine wins. Can we add him to the list of with Adrian Wilson as those that <laughs> listen on a regular basis? The Cardinals cover two. <laughs> I don't know, but he probably not. But he, he sees us around enough true. to where he wanted he wanted my thoughts, and I I told him double digits, and he gave me the thumbs up. Now, also before we get out of here, we have a great thing coming up on Sunday. We're going to be on live on Facebook. So if you're a true Cardinal fan and you you know you got your fantasy team going and you're maybe you're not watching all the pregame shows, we're gonna go on at nine o'clock in the morning. We're gonna be on for fifteen or twenty minutes, and we're gonna get a chance to show you what's happening in Nashville. Um, so players warming up, different positions. 
We'll also, Craig will start the show with giving you the inactives. We know that Gardex out right now. you got to come up with, you know, five or six guys. Uh, that's going to dictate what the roster moves they make. So we encourage you to listen. Go to the Cardinals' uh, Facebook page, subscribe there, and you'll get the notification when we're going live. And we'll be doing that every single game, home or away, during the course of the season. Just a little bit more content, if you will, during the course of the 2021 regular season. And when we are able to broadcast training camp and being able to show the open portion of practice, the stretching, the drills, uh, a lot of people tuned in because they weren't able to come to camp or sometimes they're out of state. So if you're out of state, uh, this is your way to see the team before they actually kick the ball off. By the way, you give an X factor. Is it okay? And I don't know if I'm going to do this each and every week, but is it okay if I give my sure. own X factor here? Yeah. All right. So my more the merrier. My X factor, and maybe it's only because he addressed the media earlier on Friday. And MJ, as I told you before we hit the air, we are so close. Oh yeah, yeah, we yeah, are, yeah. We are now. Inside of two days, depending on when you might listen to this edition of Cardinals Cover yeah. 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But it is here on Sunday for the first time in his career. Robert Alford will put on a Cardinals uniform in a Cardinals regular season game. And he, Bird Gang, is excited. As he said, it was a major thing to get through training camp healthy. And then he added, quote, I just can't wait to go on Sunday. End quote. He is very confident. He's always been confident. But there is that question mark still, if healthy. Well, he is now healthy. So what Robert Alford are we getting? Is it the one that the Cardinals signed in the offseason of 2019? Or based off of back-to-back season-ending injuries, a stint on the reserve COVID-19 list, Robert Alford has lost a step. I don't know the answer to that, but I do know this. We are going to get an answer on Sunday. The questions will be asked, and hopefully we'll get an idea, not just this week, but the entire 2021 regular season. Yeah, and I'm paraphrasing here. He, he, he wants to let everyone know that they took a chance on him when he was let go in Atlanta, and he hasn't been able to play. So he feels like he owes it to them for taking a chance on him, and the fact that he was willing to come back at a lower salary, he didn't want to go anywhere else. So... As long as he doesn't stub the toe, you know, walking on the plane or anything like that, I'm being facetious. I am looking forward to see him. Uh, you know, we're not supposed to root for players, but you root for stories. And the fact that he's been banged up, um, and it wasn't for lack of effort, he wasn't, you know, cheating the, cheating his body. It just happens. It's football. It's physical. I know we were outside two years ago. He made a great play, great coverage, and he lands on his leg and he breaks his leg. So that stuff just happens. But. Uh, it's a great story, and I know he's motivated. I don't think he has anything to prove from, to his uh, his teammates because they see how hard he works. But to the outside, can this guy stay healthy? We've talked about him from the get-go and how excited everyone was to sign him after his release with the Falcons to finally have that cornerback opposite Patrick Peterson. And now it's the cornerback perhaps opposite Byron Murphy or opposite Marco Wilson. That's how quickly things change in the National Football League. But to see number 23 on the football field on Sunday, you're right, MJ, we're not supposed to root, but that is a player, that is a person that is hard not to root for because of what he has gone through, and he's been here every step of the way. 
Sometimes you get put on injured reserve and you disappear. Literally, you disappear. But he's always been at the facility and then part of meetings, part of practice. He has been around this team to see this hard work and what he has had to go through, not just for him, but his entire family. It is going to be, I hope he takes a moment when he steps on that field on Sunday just to kind of soak it in during pregame. And then once the game is kicked off, he better produce, and I think he will. Yeah, like I said, uh, you know, when you work in sports, yes, you're not supposed to root, but as you get older and you cover more sports, and and now we get to cover the NFL and the Cardinals 24-7, you root for stories. I mean, you know, the the fact is that some of these guys had, you know, had a tough upbringing, and now they can, you know, help their parents out and buy houses and stuff like that. So, you know, as I've gotten older, I root for stories, not so much the players. You know, I basically you root for what the, the, the bird is on the helmet. But I I root for stories, and he's a, one of the better stories in the last couple of years. Well said. And speaking of stories, if you're looking to take some time or get to Sunday, we invite you to hear some of the stories that we've been working on this offseason. One in particular, Legendary Locker. You've heard us talk about it, but Folktales presented by 72 Sold. Go to the Arizona Cardinals official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals, and you'll see and you'll hear episode number one about Pat Tillman's locker. There's also a podcast, and go to azcardinals.com, and a story written by Darren Urban on azcardinals.com. But Folktales, presented by 72 Sold, is available. Episode one, Legendary Locker, a great job by everyone behind the scenes to put that one together. It's going to make you smile. It's going to bring a tear to your eye. But bottom line, you're going to enjoy the story behind the story. We know about Pat Tillman, the player, the person, the man. But this is about a locker that every single Cardinals player sees as they walk onto the practice field and walk off of the practice field. Folktales, again, on the official YouTube channel of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, 10 a.m. on Sunday is kickoff. Cardinals at the Titans. Week 1 is finally upon us. 5.30, the pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. Folks, week one is here. We'll talk to you next time on Cardinals Cover 2.